0: Welcome to The Something Forum by Echo & Co, a podcast where we talk about digital and organizational transformation, innovation, and nonprofits, and hope you learn something along the way. For this series, we welcome guest Andy Krakov, president of Hillcrest Advisory. He talks to us about how nonprofits can use data to tell their stories, and how you can start using data to reach your organization's goals. We'll also talk about his career journey and work with Hillcrest Advisory. And now your host, Andy Vanderland.
1: Back to the something form from Echo and Co. I'm Andy with Andy. Um, Andy is a data storyteller, and in the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about what that means in the nonprofit space. He is at Hillcrest Advisory and giving us all types of great nuggets of information and sort of strategic approaches to starting to answer these questions around how they bring data and storytelling together. Welcome back, Andy
2: conversation has been so nice. Your questions have really got me thinking too. So I really appreciate having this. (laughs) It's great having this conversation.
1: (laughs) We are in our fourth and final episode, Toasts, and we like to focus on accolades and successes. And we're going to start off with what should organizations ask themselves when they start to think about how to use data and storytelling in their work?
2: They should. I think organizations should ask themselves um, whether they do indeed feel comfortable releasing the data. I think that's a primary question. These days, I think you know most of most of the time organizations are going to answer that with a yes or or you know yes, but these type of data, not these data. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's an important question that organizations need to address upfront. And often they address that before they even approach me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they uh, they often also need to, you know, think about how what is the aim that we have for releasing these data? You know that often gets lost, and mm-hmm. you know you sometimes will just look at it and say, "This is so cool! These data we got to get it out there." And <laughs> so my then question to them would probably be. Who are you trying to reach with these data? Mm -hmm. Who's the audience? And what do you want them to do with it? The data are indeed cool, but are you trying to drive policy change? Are you trying to bring more members to your coalition? Are you trying to raise awareness of the public? Are you trying to um, change a practice in your community? I love that. Yeah. So those are some of the key questions.
1: And just make sure you know what you're trying to say. What is the point? I love that. It speaks to my product management heart. We said it a couple of times, but like, (laughs) what's the vision? What are we trying to do? Let's not just put something out there for the sake of it. Um, yeah. What are your like, most favorite success stories of the work you do? I guess we can also maybe think of examples that like, you like outside of your work, but I'm curious about like, you and your impact. Like, what's your favorite things?
2: I, I really um, feel proud uh, when I've been able to successfully build a data story that has a very human-oriented focus, mm-hmm. meaning it's about mm-hmm. an individual and we layer in data to speak about the community. Um, and, and I've seen an organization use that, you know, like if it's a small County in California and they've been able to use that piece of communication for, um, uh, addressing homelessness in their community,
1: oh, Yeah,
2: that really like just makes my heart sing. It really does. It's just, oh. it's, that That's where it's at for me, um, which is why I often do like those local level projects, because that's where you often can see that kind of impact. Um, I'm also, you know, a long time ago, I worked, you know, let's see, about 20 years ago, I started. That's when I started working in this field of data, um, data visualization. It's kind of before there was even this notion of visualization or big data, all those terms, that, that was all to come. Um, <laughs> and I started working on a project to help communicate data about children's issues in California. Mm-hmm. And it was one of these big, you know, one of these data, interactive data websites, it's still kidsdata.org, it's still around. And um, we, we communicated, well, I mean, we started the work Back in 2002, and when I had left, which was probably about 10 years after that, the website wasn't, was known, but not really on the radar screen of people doing nonprofits around the state. And because I still work in this realm and often work with nonprofits and government agencies that work on children's issues... These days, I'll say, oh, yeah, I worked on kids' data. Like, oh, I know kids' data. And it's great that over that – sometimes it can take that long. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, yes. But, but, but I'm also like, wow, you use kids' data. Because when I was there, the goal was to try and get people to use it. And now to see it as a tool that's frequently used is very heartwarming as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. It's cool to have it be, I mean, the immediate gratification of course is nice, but to yeah. see the longevity of the work yeah. someone does like if that you've done, that's just like, legacy isn't the right word. I don't know. Maybe it is, but you have something and you've been having this like ongoing impact and it, your impact isn't just at the moment of like your immediate touch point with the organization or company. That's pretty, pretty cool. We yeah. get some recruits out of this for data storytelling in nonprofit space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's giving you hope right now? It can be around data and storytelling, but it could also be more broad in life. If you would like to go there, um, But, you yeah, know, it's the good stuff in life.
2: The good stuff. I mean, you know, we we are living in an age, no question, when we, um, in terms of political discourse, say. um we don't really, we have a lot of anxiety, existential thoughts about the role Mm -hmm. that data plays. You know, um, our numbers being fabricated, for example. Um, And this can, by the way, be on both sides of the aisle. You know, our data being misused. So that we exist in that space. And what I think I love is the fact, and what gives me hope is the fact that often in these more local settings where you can often strip away some of the politics mm. that the data can actually take on that more objective role and can be helpful to persuade. That sounds a little bit almost too hopeful, but I do feel like I've seen it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that sometimes in that local, in those local environments, data really can be a, source for um honest discourse and that gives me a a lot of hope
1: oh that's great because you're so right that it's hard to know what to trust but with the storytelling and the connections with like real people you're able to put it in the context of a life that's lived and how excuse me how that is like real I don't know, because you also just mentioned this working at the local level and being able to see the impact. And it had me wondering if data is almost the numbers might be bigger at a, you know, at the federal level or like the national level. But the impact of that data seems smaller. It's almost like inversely related. Um, I don't know if that's true. Maybe those huge numbers are super impactful and get people to do all types of stuff. But I suspect that at least feels more impactful when it's at this like local level, and you can actually see like, look, I'm having a difference, and like, I matter as a person. I'm not just like one of millions type of thing.
2: And it's and it's um, it's at those local levels that the data are our neighbors,
1: mm, the people we know yes. in our community.
2: Um, and yes, the numbers are not going to be as big, but when especially when you can layer in the story. Um, about the individuals, like you said, with lived experiences, uh, that's meaningful. Uh, the data, yes, are are much grander when you get to a state or federal level, but there's a lot of work that's been done, a lot of interesting work, about the fact that we have a hard time comprehending large numbers. So to understand that there are millions, and I don't know how many millions of people live in poverty in the U.S., But that's like a number that often might just wash over our head. Hmm. And uh, or the best example that comes to mind of this is because a lot of newspapers have been focused on it, is trying to explain and help us grasp what it means when there have been millions of people who died of COVID. Um, And it's easier to explain when you know it's your neighbor. That's getting back to that local community analogy. It's harder Mm -hmm. to explain when you're talking about an anonymous millions of people. Uh, there are some great techniques to make those larger numbers explainable and or meaningful, I should say, but it takes actually – in some ways it takes more work than the local level.
1: Yeah. What are, are there like some quick tips for those techniques for any organizations yeah. that are dealing on that scale?
2: Yes. Um, something that's called social math is a good technique. That's when you're explaining the number in the context of something else um that's as if you had this number is so big it's as if like um well I'll give you an example one of my clients I do work on youth homelessness in California and we wanted to, uh, to be able to express how many according to one source how many youth were homeless the social math part is to be able to say that's equivalent to the number of people that are in you know that could fill this stadium three times over or something like that mm, you know yeah. sell out this stadium that's that's an example of social math sometimes it can be really effective to actually show the number. Um, mm. There's a great Wall Street Journal visualization that's trying to explain your odds of winning the lottery. And the odds are like one in something. Very low. <laughs> exactly. Very low. <laughs> and they actually have a very simple data website where they just show a series of dots. And the dots mm. are like neutral colored. Those are there's your odds of not winning. And then you have to scroll down. And they do it in a very clever way. That's your odds, you know? So you're actually, they've actually uh-huh. gone to the length of showing all the dots and sometimes actually yeah. showing those data or a portion of those data to show you how yeah. big the number is, 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 is helpful as well.
1: Uh, the, I remember there lot being lots of, for the context, putting COVID, the loss of lives from COVID mm-hmm. into something that people might understand. They were comparing it to the loss of life from 9-11 which is still mm. a huge number right and I yep. thought that was really interesting because people were obviously very like reactive justifiably to 911 and it felt like it feels yeah. like that isn't the same level of reaction we're getting from covid which has significantly more loss of life to it um, so I don't know I don't know how effective it was to be honest but I remember that coming up
2: the technique though strikes me as kind of social math we we yeah. have a an inherent grasp or can understand the thousands of people that died because of nine 11. And Mm -hmm. let's compare that to, um, what we're seeing in terms of COVID, um, and helping using that as a, as a tool to help us understand the significance of this larger number. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for sharing some of your tips and tricks. I love the idea of data. When we're working at the local level, data becomes our neighbor neighbors, um, that's really important. And I don't know, we're going to probably put it in our show notes. <laughs>
2: okay. Uh, <Sure. laughs>
1: What's one lesson that your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in life?
2: Sketching. Um, that's just the one that comes to mind (laughs) now. I mean, it's not necessarily, you know, um, there's the top of mind lesson. It's not necessarily the most important one. Um, but I, I think it's, um, it's underrated, especially in the world Mm. of data visualization, how important it can be to just draw something out and people might say, Oh, I don't draw well. I don't draw well, but I mean, I, you know, but, but it's a way, I think it can be a very effective technique to get your thoughts out and sometimes you're looking at a really complicated data set and you need to just sort of, you know, sketch through it to understand mm-hmm. it. the other advantage of sketching is when you're with others. Because mm-hmm. you can collaborate with them and you can collectively get your thoughts out and, and iterate on them and build on each other's ideas. And
1: yeah.
2: um, so I think that's, you know, I like as I'm saying it, I feel like I need to do that more. Um, The other thing (laughs) that I might say is it's a technique of visualization of trying to simplify charts, of Mm. trying to, you know, I think uh, creating effective charts is often about removing, most of the time it's about removing information, not adding information. Mm. Um, You know, there's often that expression we hear of chart junk, you know. Um, which often refers to like charts that are 3D and have just like so much going on. You're like, I don't know what <laughs> I'm looking at. Um, <laughs> and removing information creates effective visualizations for the most part. And so that's another lesson that I not only have learned, but con- continually have to remind myself of. That's
1: great. Take the same approach that we did with PowerPoint. You know, PowerPoint's had like all the stuff happening. Yeah. Like we made them simple. You just do that same, have that same evolution for charts and data exactly. visualization. Do you have any prompts for sketching when you're bringing people into a room or even just for yourself as you're brainstorming and you're like, I need to create this visualization. Like what's the first self-talk or group prompt that you bring?
2: I will often start with, I like to probably center the exercise on who we're trying to reach and what Mm do you want them to do? uh, Because I feel like we need that anchor point of understanding, you know, um, the reasons for us sketching together, you know, this is for elected officials on Capitol Hill and we want them to pass a policy to do X as an example. Once that's that's done, then I think you can dive in and say, okay, let's, let's uh, start to put down on paper, um, what the data, how you envision summarizing the data for others, not for yourself, Mm -hmm. for others. I think I probably tend to start that exercise asking them to write it down individually because it's a Mm -hmm. lot. People tend to be shy um, in these settings. They tend to be shy. Um, And, you know, to ask them to sort of, you know, ask you, Andy, can you please... Go to the front of the room and sketch for us what you envision. <laughs> That's a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So get them that. Put it on paper first. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe I share first. And then yeah. you ask others to dive in. And then you can get to the whiteboard. We're all working off, off the whiteboard.
1: Have there been any ideas where you're just, like, blown out of the water? or you're just like, whoa, never have thought of that visualization.
2: Yeah. I, I can't think of anything specific. But I think that's what the the sketching often leads to uh, is that kind of mindset Um, because I've found before, often I'll do exercises with like um, when I'm doing these data capacity building workshops, training sessions, often the sessions will involve getting people together in smaller groups, giving them a big Mm -hmm. um, piece of poster size paper and asking them to sketch out together how they think the story should be built, what it should mm. contain, what the data story should contain, what format, what information it should include, yeah. and I, I'm always amazed that sometimes you can get complete strangers together in the same the same group and give them only a half hour, and I'm blown away by what they can create. Their their collective creativity.
1: Oh, is that's amazing.
2: cool. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: I don't know why <laughs> my head. This is. Probably should be cut, but in my head I have this image of a dolphin, (laughs) and like it's getting filled up by water. I have no idea what we're communicating with them. (laughs) It's just like the I don't know.
2: But maybe that's a starting point to help others because sometimes we need that those images in our (laughs) head. random dolphin. (laughs) That's related to nothing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, sometimes we need that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, thank you for you know not. Totally discouraging me and my dolphin. Um, <laughs> are there any parting thoughts? Any questions you wish I had asked you during our conversations?
2: No, no parting thoughts. And you did such a good job of asking oh, such really <laughs> thoughtful questions. Uh, I think the only thing that I would probably end with is I've seen it over and over again. This is building off of what we were just talking about in terms of these workshops where I help people. Mm-hmm. Communicate data. Think about how they can communicate data. People have these skill sets; they don't even realize it. Uh-huh, you know, yeah. they they might need some training to understand about okay, how do you communicate large numbers? What graph types are the best types to use? How can you layer in a human story? Yes, mm-hmm. but once you set them loose, and if they have the time, I found that um, you can get groups of people together to do that. Sometimes you might need to bring in the communication person and the data analyst together. But if they can team up, it's just giving them a little bit of the skill set. It's very practical and very achievable for people to communicate their data uh, on their own.
1: Well, on that empowering note, thank you so much, Andy, for joining us. We'll have a link to Hillcrest Advisory um, for anyone who's curious about more about what you do. Um, And I learned a lot. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate
2: it. I enjoyed it very much. Me and my dolphin. You and your dolphin. (laughs) I'm glad you both enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too.
0: (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to the Something Forum series with Andy Krakow, president of Hillcrest Advisory. Our host is Andy Vanderland. I'm Alyssa Huntley, our editor. The music you hear in this episode is Something About Something by Sarah, the instrumentalist. This podcast is produced by Echo & Co., a digital agency sending creativity on a mission.